When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la mauvaise. Et ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Wednesday, July 12. It is one minute past 10 o'clock. And for all you Montreal sports fans, 17 minutes into the game, the Chicago Fire leads CF Montreal by a score of two to nothing. Much to the delight of former Montreal Impact coach Frank Klopas, currently coach of the Chicago Fire, and much to the delight of former CF Montreal striker, Kai Kamara, and much to the dismay, of course, of CF Montreal and all of their fans. We have one eye on that, but I'm going to have another eye on our collaborator who's going to join us in about a minute or two, but it is the Sick Podcast, and we're live on YouTube, we're live on Facebook, and we are live on Twitter. And I thank you all very much for watching. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm Marinaro, brought to you in part by La Bitta TV, brewed in Quebec, winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TV, embrace your true nature. The Sick Podcast also brought to you in part by Playground, your premier gaming destination. Playground's Summer Millions must-play poker event of the season featuring 10 championship ring events, $1 million in guaranteed prize pools, and a $500,000 guaranteed main event located just over the Mercia Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal, it's Playground, brought to you in part also by Energy Transportation Group. This is where I get my energy from. They've been named by the Financial Times as one of America's fastest-growing companies in 2023 and have been recognized by the Globe and Mail as a top-growing Canadian company for two years in a row now. They work with some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies providing N10 logistics services. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. Now, without further ado, I bring him in. What's wrong with my mic? I don't know what is. There we go. Kind of crooked. Uh, why don't I bring him in? Graham McCagg. Hey. 
former Montreal Canadian scout in the Bob Ganey administration, founder of Recruits and Recruits.ca, an independent scouting uh, service, uh, basically your one-stop shop where Grant McCagg not only has great scouting reports on all uh, draft prospects, but he also has a bunch of feature articles throughout the year, and you get a one-year subscription for less than $40. Grant McCagg, who's also authored, by the way, of this. Uh-huh. Guardado. <laughs> Valley Snapshots, Notable Hockey Players, from the Upper Ottawa Valley. So, Grant, look at that. Grant McCagg right there. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. This guy. This guy is it all. So, author, Grant, Tony. You're talking yeah, to an author. So, yeah, I, nice. I, I realized that a long time ago. So, uh, <laughs> and a scout. Uh, and a scout. Uh, yeah. In the Ganey administration, you make it, it, you know, it almost sounds like uh, like the Rajaul administration or something. It's getting no, ancient. No, no. They, they, listen, the, the Ganey administration wasn't, uh, wasn't, a, <laughs> it wasn't a complete disaster. Was it? Oh, no, that, no, no, no. Just a long time ago. Now it's, it was, it was a long time ago. Uh, yeah. I, I look back, I look back though. And you remember when we were all excited about, um, you know, acquiring Scott Gomez? <laughs> and then, yeah. and, then a, and then a day or two later, uh, going on this one-day spending spree and signing Brian Jonta as an unrestricted free agent and signing Mike Camilleri. Like, yeah. there were a lot of members of the fan base that were really excited about that. And there wow. were some good moments because in 2010, that team eliminated the Washington Capitals in Game 7, Round 1, eliminated the Pittsburgh Penguins in Game 7, Round 2, but bowed out to the Philadelphia Flyers. I believe in five games in the third round, but that was a pretty nice run, Grant. Yeah, that's right. One of the few in the last thirty years, right, Tony? Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it uh, was one of the uh, few, and I think it was the year out, like that year, if I'm not mistaken, that they signed Gomez. That they, uh, you know, they made the run, and uh, Scotty had that one. He, he had a not that bad a year that year, and uh, obviously Gianta and. and Camilleri was lights out in the playoffs, if yeah. I recall. And uh, Camilleri yeah. had 13 goals, did he not that year? Yeah, I yeah, he, he was on a goals. he was on a pace to break uh, Curry and Reggie Leach's uh, mark if if they'd have made the finals. But uh, just like we saw last year with Drysaddle, you know, he was going to shatter the record if they made the final. And a couple of years before that, Shifley was on a pace to break it. But it, you know, you have to do it for four rounds. And yeah. uh, you, you rarely see a you, you rarely see a guy score a lot of goals in the last two rounds. It just gets tighter and tighter. It does. Camilleri was uh, he was so fun to watch that playoff series. He had that, uh, of course, that that one timer where uh, you know he'd get that uh, he'd get that one knee to actually almost touch the ice or probably even touch the ice. Yeah, and uh, he just you know when you you find a shot that works for you, and it was just it was it was it was working for him, man. And he has he had one of the best one timers I've seen since covering this team, which has been over twenty years. I, I think that's fair to say, right? That Camilleri had one of the best one timers. Oh, for sure. And Bob, you know, asked me who should I sign there, Grant? Uh, you know, in the off season, and I said Camilleri. Bob, that's the okay. No, I just made that up because I oh, was. Oh, geez, I was. I was about to ask you if you were serious. <laughs> I was. I was pretty impressed. But I was pretty impressed. Did you? Did you? Did you? Were you ever asked, Grant, at the time? And I, I know it was. Uh, 
were you ever asked to be a part of like like big meetings or when you had the scouting meetings were you were you yeah no i was very much part-time you know yeah got my foot in the door and uh just did some regional work basically for trevor really but no i didn't attend the meetings so you know, you can you can blame me for picking LeBlanc and, and Tenorti if you like, and uh, I mean, that's, no, you didn't. So, <laughs> but uh, it they they certainly weren't. If it had been up to me in uh, in 2010, I had Kuznetsov, uh, I think top ten. But I mean, I understood ca- uh, the Canadians were a little shy about a little gun shy about taking Russians at the time because yeah. of the the Kostetsin kind of you know. Yeah. Those guys like to party a little too much, maybe, or something like that. I don't you know think? what all it was, but <laughs> yeah. Uh so they were they were a little shy about the taking the Russians at the time, and I knew they weren't gonna take Kuznetsov, but that certainly would have been, you know, uh my pick if uh if I you know, if it had been up to me, but uh um, would have ended well, up being a good player and it would have given us no shortage of things to talk about over the past couple of years with Kuznetsov. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. That's true. And I mean, you know, he ended up being a bit of a party animal in Washington too. So who knows what, it, apparently there's a few, uh, you know, few places to go in Montreal too. And it's a bit of a, there's a bit of a nightlife there too. I've been told anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, he would have been right at home over here. That's for sure. Hey, yeah. uh, I got you on tonight uh, because uh, there's, uh, there's something that uh, you're going to be writing about. And actually, probably even before it comes out, I think we're probably going to touch on it here. I also know that you had a, a pretty interesting conversation. Was it earlier today that you had this conversation? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, uh, I've been privileged to talk to Lane Hudson a few times in the past, okay. and uh, he, uh, you nice know, kid, I, eh? Yeah, I touched base with him by text a couple days ago and asked him if. Uh, if he could do an interview and we, uh, we chatted for about a half an hour today and it was nice to, uh, get caught up with him. Oh yeah. On the phone or zoom call or how'd you do that? Yeah, no, on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, um, he's really looking forward to the season. Uh, Celebrini who might be the first overall pick, uh, Macklin Celebrini for the yeah. next draft. He's talk, joining... to, talk to me about him, please. If you can. All right. Oh yeah, well, I mean, just uh, you know, it seems like Chicago Steel are a factory there these days. They had power, and they had, uh, you know, they they just had um, Fantelli. Yeah, and now they've got this Celebrini kid who might be better than both of them. <laughs> like he's really he's really skilled, really good. So, uh, so this is obviously a program that um, that uh, you know players have identified. Oh, uh, for sure, team, yeah. Yeah, and uh, but I mean, Willander, who was drafted eleventh uh, overall or twelfth overall, something like yeah. that, in the draft here, is joining BU as well, and he's a right defenseman. Lane is left. Uh, that might be their top pairing this year, and then they've got the kid that could be the top pick in the draft. Um, you know, Svoboda, who's a really good prospect. I think he went in the third round. So their freshman class is mm-hmm. excellent, and then B uh, BC has five kids. You know the three Perot, the line from the U uh, eighteens. Uh, yeah, Perot, Smith, and uh, Leonard are all joining 
Boston College. And uh, they're going to have like one of the best freshman classes in years. Uh, so the BC and BU, that rivalry is going to be really, wow. really renewed this year. And it'll the be entire line at Boston College. Wow. Yeah. Similar to Minnesota and, and Michigan the last couple of years with Cooley and Fantilli and all those guys. Uh, it's like BU and BC are going to be the new Michigan and Minnesota, and they're going to be fun to watch. And I'm going to make sure I bet you RDS and all those crews get down for those games this year. Uh, don't forget to be a spot. Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, yes. That line at Boston College, um, that has me kind of tempted to take in a Boston College game or two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to watch those guys. And let's uh, let's, let's make too. a note of that. Let's make a note of that, Grant. Maybe you and I will hang out in uh, in Boston for a couple of yeah. days at some point. Yeah, well, I don't know if I can be talking to going to Boston, but. Well, what's wrong? <laughs> what's wrong? Yeah, you're kidding. Come on. Boston's a beautiful city. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it is. You've been before? Actually, no. You haven't? Boston's I a have beautiful. Not. Grand yeah. Boston Boston is a beautiful city. I've heard that. I've heard it's great. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, it really is great. And uh, I love the North End. Uh, it's their, uh, their, you know, Little Italy and Hanover Street and stuff like that. And there's a lot more to it than that, of course. And um, no, there's, great there's sports a lot. Town. There's, it's, a, it's a great sports town. It's yeah. a great sports town. You want to know how much it pays to do sports radio out of Boston? More? Give me um <laughs> give me give me a figure that you think the morning man makes in Boston. Uh I don't know. Uh hundred G's. Morning radio in Boston? You no make idea. over you make over a million. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wouldn't After- know what that's like, Tony. Afternoon drive in Boston, you'll make over uh, you'll make over a million. So they wouldn't hire you. You tried? No. Uh, you know what? As much <laughs> as I look, I I wouldn't. Um, not yet, anyway. Never say never. But up until now, I, I've never, never been remotely tempted to move out of Montreal. I, I hear you know, you. like um, I could could have made a lot more money than yeah. I made um live you know working toronto mm-hmm. um you know what if there was a, if there was um um a job in boston for me i could have made a lot more there you can make a lot more in philadelphia you can make a lot more in new york uh, those are markets where you know boston new york philadelphia chicago uh talk radio in those cities you're you're paid you're paid a nice yeah. amount Actually, you know, in, in my opinion, you're you're paid an amount that you actually deserve. Um, right. You know, um, when well, when it's not all about money, is it, Tony? Well, in my case, clearly it was not. I'll tell you that right now. Well, but, me neither. Uh, it was uh, it was, uh, you know, being passionate about something and, uh, you know, so, loving it so much that you would do it for free. And probably the worst part in all of that is that your employer probably knew that. Uh, that you loved it so much and that you would do it for free. And that's why, yeah. uh, but anyway. Well, um, so yeah. it's the same way for me. So I, yeah. I can, uh, I feel you. Yeah. So uh, in, in Toronto, they, I mean, they don't, uh, they don't make, uh, they don't make a, a million dollars, but, uh, but the Toronto, you would, you would make a lot more than you would uh, in Montreal. That's for sure. A hundred percent. But anyway, I don't know where we, you know, we'll, 
but anyway, that's that's what it is. <laughs> uh, all right, okay. Why did I go there? Uh, okay. Um, what did when did um, what did Lane Hudson have to say? Well, he's just uh, really looking forward to this year. It's kind of cool. There's going to be three brothers, uh, the Hudson brothers. Do you remember the uh, show, the Hudson Brothers, the variety show back in the day in Canada with the D, Hudson no, Brothers? No, I oh, don't. Just no. before your time. Anyways, yeah. there's the Hudson, the Hudson Brothers, uh, Celebrini's, Macklin's brother is joining him, and then McCarthy, who was uh, who was partner with, uh, with um, uh, Lane last year, his brother, his younger brother is joining. So there's three pairs of brothers going to be uh, – going to be playing with uh bu this year which is kind of cool i was asking him if you know plans on the on the three of the three pairs of them getting together and watching big brother together or is that is that is that a first three pairs of brothers uh probably not but i mean i I imagine it hasn't happened too often and what's also cool is that cole hudson yeah uh, is set to join bu next year now, if Lane decides to stick around for his sophomore year, mm-hmm. there'll be three Hudson brothers playing all different ages, playing for the same college team. Now, that's another thing that I'm sure hasn't happened too often. So, I so can, Cole Hudson is scheduled to go. Uh, the early projections are first round. Is that it? Yeah, I think he'll be a first rounder, but I mean, he's going to go to. He's going to go to BU for at least one year. Yeah. So I was asking, you know, Lane, if uh, mom and dad said, hey, you got to stick around for one more year to, you know, babysit your little brother, right? For Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of cool. Like he's a small, like he's almost like a carbon copy of Lane, you know, five nine yeah. defenseman that shakes and bakes and does everything, set records at the last, uh, at the last uh, event there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the under 18. So, yeah, uh, but he said, well, he's not playing, you know, he's not going to give away what he's, I don't think he, he knows yet. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he breaks records, sets defenseman records this year, I can't see him coming back. Even if it would be kind of cool that the three brothers played together for one year in college. But the other thing too, is like, Make it three nothing, by the way, for fans of CF Montreal. Pardon me, Grant, but it's uh, Shakiri. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay, Shakiri makes it. Uh, yeah, Shakiri yeah. makes it uh, three nothing. Well, I got one eye on the screen, but I got one eye on you. I can tell you that right now. Shakiri okay. makes it uh, three nothing for uh, the Chicago Fire. Okay, go ahead, Grant. Yeah, I uh, kind of forget what I was saying, but anyways, move on. Oh, geez, I'm sorry if I interrupted your train of thought there. No, no, that's okay. Okay, it uh, doesn't take much. No, yeah, you know what? Uh, that that happens to me too. Um, yeah. No, but we're talking about uh, we're talking about uh, Cole Hudson and the fact that you know the early projection is that he's going to go uh, yeah. in the first round. And um, and and what- okay, uh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, Marc Antoine uh, Gada talked to him yeah. a few weeks ago, and he was one sixty three. Yeah. He said, "Okay, wait, wait, one sixty three, and then at camp, Lane was one fifty eight. So I was asking him if he was on a diet, you know. Mm. Uh, I mean, joking, obviously, but uh, yeah. And he said his his weight fluctuates a fair bit in the off season, you know, anywhere from one 
158 to 165. But uh, I was asking him if, you know, there aren't very many NHL defensemen that that play at under 170. Mm-hmm. Like, not very many come in, right? And I was asking him if perhaps he was thinking of, like, that he needs to get up to about 170 before he could play the pro game. And, and mm-hmm. it sounded like, you know, He's comfortable at about 165, mm-hmm. and that he thinks he'd be able to play. And I mean, we've seen it. No matter what competition yeah. he plays, it doesn't matter. He it doesn't matter that he's 165 pounds. I don't think he's just. He, he you know, I was asking about do you, Luke Tuck got clocked by uh, Struble last yeah, year. Yeah, we saw that yeah. his biggest hit, and then he and then he hit him in the in the camp. Yeah, and it's funny that uh, Struble and Tuck and it were ended up being roommates at the uh, at the camp, which <laughs> Lane was telling me. But I but I asked him if he ever got clocked, like Tuck did last year, and he says no. Like he just uh, he's so aware out there, kind of like Gretzky. You know, uh-huh. Gretzky wasn't much more than 170 pounds when he played for in the WHA and w- led the league in scoring. You know, at 17 for, years of age. For a, for a defenseman, Grant, who's going to have to fight off some Certainly. bigger bodies, move players out of the front of the net, you with your scouting background, talk to us about this. So let's just say you were part yep. of a meeting tomorrow with Kent Hughes and Lane Hudson shows up at camp, okay? NHL camp, all right? He's got a shot to make the team, yep. but he's 170 pounds and he's five foot nine. Defenseman, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, how concerned are you going to be? What are you going to bring up exactly to Kent? Well, I don't. You know, you just let him play, and I mean, if he can, if he shows that he can do it, uh, and he puts up numbers, and he's running the power play, and uh, you know, you you find a spot for him on the team. I I was asking, uh, I was asking him about, um, I was asking laying about like how do you move a big defenseman what do you do you, you can't move him in front of the net what do you do to uh you know and he and he explained it pretty well there's going to be some great quotes in there i don't want to give it all away i guess because i'd like okay yeah no you shouldn't that. you shouldn't of course you because know you wrote about it yeah but he uh but you know get your stick in the right spot make sure that you lift his stick at the right time uh, time when the shots coming in, get your hip, mm-hmm. get into his hips, knock him off balance at the right time, and he does all that stuff. Like if you watch him close, he's not porous defensively by any mm-hmm. means. So, uh, there's a lot to work with there, just because he's so smart. And I think uh, it's that intelligence that's gonna that will you know, win the day for him where I think yeah. that he'll be able to, obviously his offense is going to be such a key contr- contribution to the team that uh, uh, you can, you'll be able to put up with his uh, lack of size because he's just so intelligent, both defensively and offensively. Yeah. But look, listen, size obviously kicks in when physicality kicks in. If there's no physicality, you don't have to worry about the size. Size kicks in when you have to uh, try and clear to the front of the net. If you don't have yep. to, it's not a problem. But let me ask you this. 
in terms of lightweight defensemen, how does that usually work in, in terms on their endurance? Um, do you see a, a parallel of a lightweight defenseman probably not having the same endurance and maybe wearing down faster uh, than someone who's um, who's obviously uh, bigger? Yeah, for sure. Was that I for mean, the dog or what was that for exactly? Or was that for me? What's that? I, I saw you throw something there. Was that for the dog or was that for me? Yeah. Well, oh. I, I was throwing it at, at the wife there because she won't she won't keep quiet. <laughs> Who the dog? No, the wife. Oh, okay. No, no, the wife. She's blabbing away. Yeah, she loves you, I'm man. Trying to do a, I'm trying to do a podcast, so I threw my wallet over at her. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you bring? Her, why don't you? Uh, why don't you bring her on the podcast? Yeah. Uh, no. Next time, Tony. Yeah. Okay. Hey, speaking of defensemen, I saw a kid last week. Now he's young. Look, you know, I'm not going to start saying that a 10 year old is going to play in the National Hockey League uh, because we don't know. They change, right? They go through. Uh, you know, some of them, some players peak at different times and stuff like that, and whatever. And there's so many things that can happen. But this player is on the right track. Let me tell you, if this player, um, Quincy Fontaine, did you see images of this kid by any chance? He was playing on that Montreal Canadiens team that won the brick. Did you see that? No, I didn't, no. Oh, this kid is this kid is something else, Grant. Is that right, eh? Oh, this, this defenseman, Quincy Fontaine, is absolutely unbelievable. Well, he's got the right name, Tony. That rolls off the tongue. Uh, absolutely this kid is so good and and i i think in the final game which was a win versus minnesota uh i i I believe they won seven four i could be wrong but i I think in the last game i think he played like 80 percent of the game it was the kid never came off the kid never came off really really good anyway uh, I don't know uh, if you're going to go out and you're going to start scouting 10-year-olds, Grant. I doubt you will, but no, if you uh, happen to be in a rink one day and there's some 10-year-olds playing, uh, remember this name, Quincy Fontaine. Really, really good. Hey, Dominic Ducharme's back in the National Hockey League. No. You didn't see that? No, I didn't. Dominic, well, it, it it came up on the wire just a little, a few hours ago, but uh, Dominic Ducharme is the new assistant coach of the LA Stanley, Kings. Cup, Stanley Cup champion <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights. Okay. <laughs> no, but the yeah. LA Kings would have been a good guess because Mark Bergevin is there. Well, you would have thought that Chicago would have been a good guess because Luke Richardson is there. But Dominic Ducharme is the new assistant coach yeah. of the Vegas Golden Knights. And you know what, Grant? I know that everyone wants to be a coach, but um, you know, if you end up making a, a nice career for yourself as an assistant coach or an associate coach at one point, living in Vegas, working in Vegas, pretty good team. Assistant coach, usually the pressure is not on them, unless, of course, they're responsible for a power player, a penalty kill, and ends up being one of the worst in the league. At that point, their name comes up. In, uh, in in not so um, uh, not so uh, uh, in, in not a very good fashion, but you know I think it's a good spot for him. I think it's a good spot for him, and I think it's good that he comes back as an assistant coach, Grant. Oh yeah, well that you know, I don't think he was a poor assistant coach at all. I think that's probably what he's you know best suited for at the NHL level. I just 
you know, NHL coach, maybe not, but that doesn't mean you can't be a high caliber assistant coach in NHL. And there are what, maybe 70, 80 of those jobs. So that's pretty good. You know, one of the top 120 uh, coaching jobs in the NHL. Yeah. No, you're right about that. You know, I, I kind of, I kind of felt bad earlier tonight because like I said, when, um, uh, when it was tweeted out by the Vegas Golden Knights that uh, Dominic Ducharme was going to be joining their staff as an assistant coach, uh, I got to tell you, he got a lot of um, he got a lot of um, you know doesn't communicate well, and uh, you know Weber didn't respect him either, and uh, you know what he ruined Cole Caulfield, and uh, you know the no. players wanted to play for Luke Richardson, they didn't want to play for him. There's a lot of that that came up, but I you know. There was there was a um, a challenge when it came to communication skills for sure. He expressed himself in French a lot more and a lot better than he expressed himself in English. That could have been a challenge. The Cole Caulfield thing obviously didn't help, but you know, and I'm not just saying this, but I, I think you said something that was pretty good, and that is when all is said and done, that's probably his role in the National Hockey League. And if it is, you know what? It's nothing to spit at. Number two, no. though, let you know, geez, let's let's be Went for the cup finals, but no, but let's be for second chances too, though, right? I mean, oh, he, for sure, he got his feet wet there at the National Hockey League level coaching. It was a one time, it was one team, and there's a lot of coaches that you probably would have thought would not have ended up being pretty good coaches after one experience that went sour, but. You right. know, it's, 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 it's like every other job in the world, right? The more you do it, the more practice you get, the better you're going to end up being at it. Absolutely. And really like the year before he got fired, he went, he took team to the cup finals that nobody predicted would go there. So, you know, maybe he wasn't a horrible head coach either. If, if he'd have got five years to, you know, I got more time to straighten the ship out, but certainly, yeah, I mean, you know, he's probably destined to be, uh, and I'm glad he got another uh, another assistant coaching job in the NHL because I think, uh, you know, he was a decent one at the NHL level. And um, there's a big difference between an assistant coach and, and a head coach in the NHL. And there's been a lot of them that were great assistant coaches that just, it, it didn't work uh, when, when they became head coaches. Yeah. And, um, so I, I bet I bet he does a great job there, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he has an assistant coaching job in the, you know for the next fifteen years in the NHL, and that's I'm happy for him. He is a student of the game. Six and a third has a good point. Paul Maurice was laughed out of Toronto. They made him look like he was the worst coach ever. And this year he plays Toronto in the playoffs in round two after all the Toronto fans are outside Leaf <laughs> Square, whatever it is, saying we want Florida. He put Sheldon Keefe and the Toronto Maple Leafs in his back pocket. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, no. Uh, um, well, you, you, like look at Bruce Cassidy. Gets fired by Boston, turns around and wins a cup. Isn't that, next year, isn't, that, isn't that something the way it worked out? I mean, Jim Montgomery yeah. takes over for Bruce Cassidy. Yeah. He's the best coach in the regular season, the best regular season Jack record Adams award ever. Winner. Jack Adams Award. Yeah. But but Cassidy ends up going to the cup final and wins the cup. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, coaching, uh, 
you know, they can get a lot of credit. They can get no credit. And uh, I, th I still think, you know, they're not out there on the ice uh, putting the puck in the net or stopping the puck. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a, a lot of it is just uh, luck and um, getting on a roll. And, you know, uh, I don't think there's any genius coaches out there, just like I don't think there's any genius scouts. It's uh, you, you have good times and you have bad times. And, you know, sometimes you're you, sometimes you end up being the champ and sometimes you don't. Uh, this is a great point here by Jeffrey Lebowski, who says Kirk Muller is a great assistant coach, great associate coach, and he's, he's, he's a good coach, but maybe more so made to be an assistant coach. You could probably say the same thing about Larry Robinson, but mind you, Larry Robinson won a Stanley Cup as head coach of the New Jersey Devils, but for the most part, Larry was considered a better assistant coach than he was considered a head coach. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a good point. Okay, uh, how many goals are the Canadians going to score next year? This is yeah. one of the major reasons why I got you on, because I think you did an exercise on this. So tell me, how many goals are the Canadians going to score next year? Well, um, there's certainly some concerns there that they may not even be able to match last year's but total, but uh, I see them. At, at, they won't be able to match last year's totals? Well, I mean, I've seen, you know, uh, they didn't go out and get Michkov, so you know they can't score goals. But no, I, I think that they're going to score more goals than last year. And I think I, I did a conservative estimate just on, uh, uh, you know, based on age and and um, okay goals per game totals in the past. Yeah, and they're going to. Uh, I think they're going to score at least 10 more goals and if uh, if everything goes you know goes well they could score 30 40 more goals than last year and as long as the goals against can come down mm -hmm. um like they were minus 70 in in goal differential last year so if All they right, can so get it anywhere close to where it's uh it, it's close to zero yeah. i don't know that they'll do it next year but certainly uh if all the young talent uh, keeps developing and progressing, yeah, and and the young defensemen step up, uh, I think they can, you know, they can be a around a five hundred team, I believe, next year. We'll see. Okay, I, the breakdown. I don't know if you sent it to a yellow by chance. If you did, it'll come up in a second. Ah, look at that. We have it. I, I'm telling you, with Agnello and Sammy and Juliana and Master Control, I have them oh, surrounded by is. the best. Caulfield, yeah. 35. Suzuki, 25. Anderson, 20. Doc, 18. Newhook, 18. Gallagher, 15. Slav, 13. Monaghan, 12. Raphael, RV, Pinar, 12. Dvorak, 8. Hoffman, 8. Armia, 7. Pozzetta, 6. Evans, 5. And the rest of the bench, the rest of the forwards, 10. Matheson on defense, 12, Gooley, 7, Jacki 6, Harris, 5, Barron, 4, Savard, 3, Kovacevic, 2, and the rest of the bench, 2, for a goal total of 253. I'm going to take a look at I want to keep this chart up, okay, please? Keep it up for those who are watching on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitter Live. And by the way, if you're not following us on YouTube, please do so. The more subscribers the ha we have, the happier we're going to be. That's number one. Number two. You're going to listen to us on uh, Google, Apple, or Spotify. Leave us a five-star review. It's our way of feeling the love. And if you're watching us, like it, share it with your friends, and comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. 
We're going to leave this chart up, but I'm going to tell you this, Grant. I'm going to take a look at this from a different angle. Grant, last year the Canadians scored 232 goals. They conceded 307. It was a differential of minus 75. Yeah. You said there are some that believe the Canadians will score less goals than they did oh. a year ago. Okay, well, maybe just not more goals, I guess, is a better way of putting it. Okay, so I'm going to say this, okay? I'm going to say this. I would bet the house, and I don't want to lose the house. I would <laughs> bet the house that the Canadians will score more for sure for several reasons. But here's one reason right off the top of my head right away. The Canadians had more man games lost due to injury last year than any team in the league. Yeah. They've replaced a couple of members of the of of, of their uh sports science department, athletic therapist, and all that. They've replaced a couple of members. They they brought in, put it this way, uh, someone who was doing it with the New York Rangers for almost 30 years. And the Rangers traditionally have been one of the teams that has lost the least amount of players due to injury. So right. based on that alone, the Canadians are scoring more than a year ago. Based well, on that alone. Just the law of averages, Tony. Like the last two years, they led the league in man games lost. And, you know, it, obviously the athletic uh, or the, you know, the medical department can't stop injuries from happening yeah yeah you know uh they're not out there getting in between a cross check and the you know they're not cushioning the player from a big hit into the boards they're, you know i mean these there's still going to be injuries happen but um there just seem to be so many misdiagnoses with the uh -huh. with the with the prior staff that hopefully that it alone but also just the law of averages tells you mm -hmm. that they can't keep it can't keep happening like the bad luck of everyone getting injured like last year it was just crazy and uh a lot of these guys like those numbers that i put up there are very conservative like that's not anybody having a you know a tremendous career year other than like new hook and slavkowski who obviously are are only going to get better given more opportunity and given their age. But, uh, you know, Caulfield was on pace to score 46 last year, mm -hmm. over 82 games. Every one of those numbers, I based it on just Montreal having average injury issues next year, where on average, the 23 players, uh, you know, that are on the, on the roster miss 15 games. So you deduct 15 games from what you think their goals per game are going to be. Yeah. Uh, based on what they've done in the past, their age, yeah. you know, and all that, who they're going to play with. Yeah. And I can't, those are the low end numbers for yeah. each of them. Mm -hmm. So certainly, you know, like, uh, uh, there's several players there that get, that could score a lot more goals than that. And uh, if, if that happens and these uh -huh. other guys hit those numbers, 
Montreal could score perhaps 270 plus. They do that based on last year's stats. They're going to be right in the middle of the pack in goals scored in the league next year. So the fact that it's such a young core that, Mm -hmm. you know, past history tells you that these guys are only going to, going to get better and better production. As long as they are just average Mm -hmm. injury wise next year, I think you're going to see a 20 to 40 goal uh, jump in their offense. A shout out to Murphy clinic and aesthetic clinic specializing in medical aesthetic care. They offer laser, Permanent laser hair removal, as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems such as acne, rosacea, fine lines, and more. They currently have two clinics, one located in Montreal, Shop Angus, and the second on the North Shore in Terban. They're also opening up soon in Quebec City. Visit murphyclinic.ca or on Instagram at murphyclinic. All right. A lot of people watching Grant right now are like big-time Montreal Canadiens fans, all right? So I'd be willing to bet that they look at your numbers of 253 goals, and they're probably saying, oh, there's no no way, a lot more than that. Caulfield's going to score more than the 35. Suzuki's going to score more than the 25. Duck's going to score more than the 18. Slavkovsky <laughs> will score more than the 13. Rafael rv Pinar will score more than the 12. Dvorak will score more than the 8. So will Hoffman, right? They're, they're always going to give more numbers. That's just the way it is. Having said all of that, okay, so here's the deal. If this past season the Canadians would have scored 253, they would have been 21st in the National Hockey League out of 32 yep. teams. And when you're one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League, like bottom five, if you actually end up being 21st in scoring out of 32, that's not bad. So now, no. let's just say the Canadians are the 11th worst team in the National Hockey League next year. And they put up these numbers. Well, based on this year's numbers, this past season, it would be the 11th least amount of goals. It would kind of make sense. So although a lot of people are going to look at this and say, no, 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 they're going to score way more, it's quite possible that they're going to score the amount that you're saying they're going to score because this, once again, would be 21 out of 32 teams. Now, off the top of my head, I'll tell you this. If Caulfield's healthy, I'll bet the house that he's scoring more than 35. Yeah, he was on. He was on pace to score forty six this year. Yeah, uh, I'm just a little. I I wonder about the shoulder surgery. You're you're like right. If, that's it's a good point. He's coming off shoulder surgery. You 100%. know, and his bread and butter is a shot, right? Yes. Well, what do you use? You use your shoulders. You know? Big time. Big so time. that's the only concern I have there. But, I, I, I'd say, too, that if Doc is a mainstay on that line, but that's the question. We don't know if he will be. But let's well, just say Doc plays the year on that line, scoring more than 18. Oh, for sure. And if Slavkowski is there, he's scoring more than 13. If uh, if Anderson's there all year, he there's no reason why he can't score 25-plus if he's, if he's healthy. He was on pace for – and I go into in-depth with each player in the article. It's quite lengthy. And it goes into their points per game, uh, you know, goals per game. Yeah. Uh, how, you know, there's how they ended the season. Like some guys were red hot, you know, and even Harvey Pinard, like 12 goals. Like he was on pace for 31 last year. 
He was, so, but we also have to keep in mind that a lot of the players injured. ended up getting more goals because other players were injured right. and it created better opportunities for them. Should exactly. they be healthy next year, all of a sudden they're not getting power play time. All of a sudden they're not getting 18 minutes. They'll probably get 11 minutes and they're not on the power play. Exactly. And New Hook had 14 last year, but he's going to get more offensive opportunity this year and and he'll play with better offensive players than he did in the third line with with Colorado too. So yeah. a lot depends on who ends up playing with Suzuki and Caulfield. Um, you know, um and whoever that is, whether it's Doc or Anderson or Caulfield or sorry, Slavkowski, the numbers that I posted there are are very conservative for but I don't know who it's gonna be. And uh that's why, you know, I think that a conservative estimate is that they'll score 250 plus. And if, uh, you know, if the stars align right, who knows, they could get 270 plus and, and be right in the middle of the pack in goals four. If they can shore up the defense, you know, they got five returning rookie defensemen. Presumably they're all going to be better next year. Um, you know, if they can cut, they can trim the goals against by 20. They're going to be a goals differential right around zero, and that gets you in the playoff hunt at the very least. So you know until late in the year. So um, it's not inconceivable that the Habs are, are an eighty-plus point team. I don't think next year, and a lot will depend on injuries and how much the younger players progress. Yeah. Uh, once again, uh, let's bring up that chart if we can. All right. Um, Evans, five. Uh, Pizzetta, six. Armia, seven. Hoffman, eight. That's a low number for Hoffman. What's, yes, um, what's what's your thought process behind why you see him in the final year of his contract, mm. where he's obviously going to want to get another contract, which will probably be the last contract of his NHL career, <laughs> an opportunity for him to cash in one more time. Why do you think he's going to have probably, in terms of goals, his worst offensive season ever at a time when it's most important that he has his best? Right. Well, age, if you look at his stats in the last three years, they've only declined. And I think opportunity, like I don't, see a spot for him in the top nine. Maybe he does get it, but it'll be at the expense of somebody else if he does. I think he plays probably half the games. I don't see him being a regular. Oh, lineup. wow. Wow. I disagree with you so much on this point. Oh, Please I, ask me why. Well, I mean, what? who does he replace in the top nine, Tony? Uh, I'm going to answer it another way, Grant. I'm going to answer it another way, okay? Allow wow. me to do this. I think he could go to the AHL even or bought and, out. Oh, whoa. Lots of things. Grant, they're gonna wanna they're gonna wanna trade this guy at the deadline. Nobody's gonna give him anything. They've got enough draft picks, Tony. It just it's that ship has sailed. I don't yeah, they, they've they've tried to showcase him for the last two years and nobody wanted him. Why is it gonna well, change this? I'll tell you why. Just because it's the end of his contract. Well, that's he's that's gonna the, be 34. He's a defensive liability. He can't play in Montreal's top nine. How is he going to play in a in a playoff contender's top nine? I just I don't. 
you don't you don't deter the growth of a young player. Different atmosphere. Shop a guy that might get you a fourth round draft pick at the. It just doesn't make sense to me. To they don't I, look, need another I, I, fourth round draft pick. I understand, but the fact that he can't do well in Montreal, I mean, with that logic, Colorado wouldn't take a chance on Jonathan Drouin. But they are. Did they trade for him? They signed they him to like an almost an entry level contract. You're you're, you're as right. A free agent. You're you're right about that. But what you know when you say uh, Hoffman's going to be 34. You're right, but the team that's going to acquire him, I'm not saying that they're going to hold on to him or extend this contract. I'm saying they're going to use him for a playoff push. And in the playoffs, in the playoffs, there's no there's no limit on the amount of players that you can have, right? right. So you get you get right. Hoffman and he might be in your plans, he might not, but if somebody gets hurt, then all of a sudden he's on your power play. Look, only time will tell yeah. and for sure we're going to have the answer to this question come March 1st next year, Grant. Right. But right. I mean, th- look this I don't even way. know if he'll be playing in the NHL at March 1st, but we'll see. We'll see. Wow. Wow. They might as well buy him out already then. Well, I don't know why they haven't at this well, point. That a lot and, of guys got bought out that were better players than him, not right. 34 years old. So 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 let, let, let let's finish with this. Mike right. Hoffman is not the kind of player the Canadians want for the kind of culture that they want to cultivate. We agree. I agree. Perfect. So then the fact that they've held on to him and they haven't bought him out is leads me to believe what I'm believing, that they want to put him in a position to succeed. And by the way, if they put him in a position to succeed, if it hurts the team and they don't make the playoffs next season, I still don't think it's the end of the world for the Canadians who don't necessarily still need to rebuild, but I don't think it's, you know, no one's going to lose their job if they miss the playoffs next year. Yeah. The fact that they he's not the type of player they want for their culture and that they didn't buy him out and they held on to him leads me to believe that they're going to try and put him in a position to succeed to trade him at the deadline. Yeah, well, it could be. I don't, uh, you know, he went from 20, 36 goals to 29 to 17 to 15 to 14. And, uh, you know, he's a year older He's not good defensively. Um, I don't see him having a spot in the top nine. I don't think it makes sense to showcase him for the sake of maybe getting a third, third or fourth round draft pick at, at the draft deadline. Because uh, can you see him getting more than that, Tony? More than a second, no. A second? Oh, I can't see anybody giving up a second round draft pick for Mike Hoffman. Well, I mean... Uh... They, they I'm got, sure. Well, I mean, they they'd have got rid of him at the last trade deadline for a fifth if they could have. Nobody was offering anything for him. So, why would now they turn around? He's a year older, and he's probably not going to play regularly. I'd be surprised. The, the next trade deadline offer a second rounder for him. I don't. I don't see it happening. You know, he would. The answer to this question, Grant, is. It all depends how many goals he'll have at the deadline. And at the deadline, you know what? If if he's if he's way before that, if he's not playing or he's out of the lineup or he's in Laval, like you said, well, at that point, they're not getting much. They're getting nothing for him. You're right. But what if Mike Hoffman, what if Mike Hoffman has 22 goals at the end of February? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. What if I discover the fountain of youth, uh, Ponce de Leon? You know, there's a there's always ifs out there. That's for sure. The fountain of youth, my friend, is ginseng and trebolus. 
Uh, and uh, there's a vitamin called Ultimate Male Energy, my friend, which has uh, a little bit of uh, green tea extract in it, too. And uh, there's other things I take, too, but I'm not going to give away all my secrets. Hey, this was fun. This was fun. He is Grant McCagg of Recruits and Recruits.ca. Subscribe to his publication. He watches uh, hundreds of games, he and his staff, and they'll give you scouting reports and they'll give you articles and you can get everything and access to everything for under $40 a year. An interview earlier today with Lane Hudson and an article dropping on the amount of goals the Canadians will score and why all of that and more. Thank you, Grant. You have a great night, my friend. Thanks, Tony. All right. There you have it, Grant McCagg. I, too, had a great night uh, because it was my wife's birthday uh, on the weekend. And uh, we were on the East End tonight. I said, what do you want to do? And uh, do we have the sushi? Uh, look at that beauty right there over at uh, Restaurant Prima Luna. And there you go. Folks, if you've never been before, it's um, it's sushi, it's Szechuan, and it's fine Italian cuisine. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop because the chances are if you go with a small group or a big group, you're going to find something on the menu that you'd really like to have. And they are in the East End at 7301 Henry Barassa East and RDP. And I want to give them a shout out because they were very, very courteous tonight. The service was absolutely fantastic. And especially want to give them a shout out because Wednesday nights, it's uh, it's one of the uh, worst kept secrets in town is sushi night for, I believe, about $34 a person. Unlimited sushi. It's a great spot. It's great sushi. And it is a great time. I want to thank all of you for watching tonight, the SIG Podcast. We went a little bit under an hour. We're looking at about 53 to 54 minutes. And there you go. Thank you very much. We'll be back tomorrow night, same time, same place, the SIG Podcast weeknights at 10 p.m. Tell your friends about it. For Agnello and Sammy at Master Control, they're Cavallaro, and I'm Marinero. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.